With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See Metro by T-Mobile.com. Clark Studios here in Los Angeles. Both both of the hosts, the co-hosts, both of us, the two of us, Dennis Bernstein, the mayor, John Hoven. We are back in Southern California. DB, I paid off the uh, TSA at LAX. It, it did not work. They let you through. What the hell happened? I, I did hire. You know, I'm an owner of Authentic, and you know, I getting all those big checks from the Kentucky Derby and the Breakness. And I wish the people could hear the first the 30 seconds prior to us going on air. That would be, that would be audio goal, but I'm doing great. I survived Edmonton hashtag 28 days in Edmonton. I'm back and uh, ready to do a, uh, a very important actually podcast. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, as, as people probably know that are tuning in, our special guest today is the director of amateur scouting for the Los Angeles Kings. The man that I've dubbed, dubbed the smartest man in hockey. We're going to get to the bottom of that as well. Uh, but let's put a pin in Yanetti for just a few minutes. There will be sure. plenty of content to talk about when uh, he joins the show. Uh, uh, DB, uh, who was more excited to see you when you landed back at home? Was it, was it uh, Boomer or was it Sniper? Uh it's Bomber. But bomber. You, know, you, must have, you must have Boomer Gordon on the brain since that's your guy. And like them. Sorry. Um, bomber. I, I think I think Bomber because, you know, as you know, I have steps that come up to my, my house. And I almost, literally almost got knocked over by Bomber. I almost fell back down the stairs. That would have been a great injury. But um, I think Bomber was. The wife was very – PJ was very excited to see me. I tweeted all – different signs yes. like don't ever leave again for a month it seemed like two months but yes. john it was uh, a unique historic experience one that i pray we'll never do again and it, it's funny you know pj asked me like well would you do it again if la was in it and you'd have to go i go no I, you because would. there was no you would no john john there's no advantage of being in the building to be honest with you the coverage <laughs> is the same i i really i i couldn't do i couldn't do another 14 days in a hotel if it was the same circumstance 
where I had to quarantine. No, no mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, to be honest with you, because there truly isn't any advantage to being there other than witnessing history. I witness history. The Kings have already won two cups, so I really don't think I would go uh, ever again, and hopefully it won't ever come to that. Well, DB, if if L.A. was to be in that situation, though, I would be there, and so we could okay. quarantine. I mean, not together, but you know what I mean. It would be... Uh, <laughs> It would be great to uh, to experience. I mean, that's just true. remember when we were you, that's a good point. <laughs> when we that were on the road ridiculous. together in 2012 and 2014, we had a, we had a lot of fun. I had a uh, lot of fun, but John, it wasn't a lot of fun in Edmonton. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> it's not a lot of fun in Edmonton any time of the and, year, regardless of the and, bubble or not. So, and John, uh, to reference an old stick um, that you've had. I don't know what Ryan Smith's talking about. <laughs> there you go, baby. There you go. Uh, by the way, for those that don't uh, know who Noah Clark is that I referenced there at the top, he yep. is the first Southern California-born player to ever play for the Los Angeles Kings, War number 39, if I remember correctly. He's from Laverne, California. His family owns a nice uh, cheese store in downtown Claremont, so there's a free plug for you. Go figure all of that out. Noah Clark is amazing. Uh, I had him on the original Mayor's Manor podcast yes. probably 10 years ago, uh, and he told some stories about riding a skateboard and grabbing on behind a car and, and being towed around town and just a, a, a real sort of gypsy of an individual, a, a fascinating guy. Uh, he also played, of course, I, for the Manchester Monarchs, I believe, but uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, DB, some breaking news here. Uh, at, we're recording this on Saturday. Uh, so, some news up on mayorsmanor.com. The LA Kings, with the second uh, overall selection in the 2020 NHL entry draft, are proud to select Quentin Byfield. So we can put this to bed. Uh, I've checked in with all the scouts and all the sources and all of the the executives, all the people I need to inside the organization. And uh, at least according okay, to our John, sources, that's what's going down. Okay. So this is not opinion. This is based on sources, correct? Is, Just so everybody is, is. Yes, this is not based on opinion. This is based on sources. Okay. As as I like Which to say, your opinion anyway, right? From everything I've been able to gather, as I as I'm uh, known to say. So yeah, look at the very beginning. Uh, I came on your radio show. On Hot Stove, the morning after the uh, NHL lottery took place, uh, right. I was on with you and Panyota and the gang, and uh, we talked about the fact that they will not be drafting Jamie Drysdale. Uh, we talked about mm-hmm. Byfield versus Stutzel, and, et cetera, and it's been a long 90 days, DB. It's been a lot of tweets. Yeah, it's been a lot of aggravation. <laughs> a lot of people asking, well, what about, you know, this person said this yeah. and this person said that. Guys, right. I, I have some news to report as well. I don't read a lot of what other people write uh, and or say. I, I talk to the sources that I talk to, and that's where I gather the information, and then I try to watch games myself. And beyond that, you know, I, I'm sorry that I can't respond to every one of your tweets. But anyway, moving you, on. You know what I like? You know, just one, one final point. Oh, sure. I, I like the catch like to say it's 65-35. They're going to pick Stutzler. I'm like, it can't be 65-35. It's 100 or it's zero. <laughs> right. Don't tell me it's 65. What does that even mean? It's 65-30. Are they rolling dice? Is Jannetty and Blake rolling dice? Are they playing dice game in the, in the, in the boardroom? And whoever wins the dice game um, is going to make the yeah. pick and pick that player? I, I just don't get that, right? Well, at, this po- at this point, you're right. 90 days ago... Right, less than twenty-four hours after the lottery, what I had said to you there was, from my understanding, they were leaning, and I, and I said sixty forty. They were leaning towards 
uh, Byfield. But there was still work to be done because yeah, 90 you know, days ago, not, yes. not last week. No. Yes. Right. No. At this point right now, the decision has been made. There still right. is there still is ongoing work. Maybe, maybe we'll talk with you, Nettie, about this. Uh, uh, there still is perhaps ongoing work, but the lists have been finalized. They normally finalize the list about two weeks prior to the draft. So mm-hmm. they, they have a list that they work off of and they're constantly massaging it. And Gennetti, uh, from what I understand, uh, in talking to the Kings PR team, he arrived in town, I believe, on Wednesday. So a couple of days ago, he's been in meetings. They're setting up a war room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Gennetti. Uh, there's some other news. This morning um, also put out a report, DB, about what's going on with the qualifying offers. Face, these, right. these players are largely Ontario players. So feel free to tune out for just a moment if you would like. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Chaz Redekop, Cole Keller, and Shelt- uh, Sheldon Rempel will not be coming back. Uh, Sheldon Rempel, as I wrote about in the piece this morning, DB, was really one of those feast or famine picks. This was a, a smaller, undersized player who played with a real chip on his shoulder, a fiery kid, uh, and came out after two years at college, went to Clarkson University. Uh, shout out to Dave Taylor and, and Willie Mitchell, who played there. Uh, Mark Morris, who was the coach as well. But anyway, um, he... Uh, he came out after two years of college and, uh, you know, he, he, he would tell me uh, when, he, when he first was signed, he would tell me all the time about how he is going to be an NHL player and he's committed to do whatever it takes and um, just a, a really fiery guy. It's the word I just always come back to when you, when mm-hmm. you think of Sheldon Rempel and um, put, up some, put up some nice goals, had some points his first year, rookie year, hard to transition into the American Hockey League when, when you're coming out of college or when you're coming out of junior and just wasn't able to replicate that success in his second year and I know that uh, former coach Mike Stuthers had invested a lot of time in trying to, uh, you know, help develop his game. And unfortunately, it just didn't work. And with the Kings having such a a run on forwards that will be going to Ontario this year, guys like Akil Thomas, guys like... uh, 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 Turcotte, et cetera, uh, you know, even Fagamo, guys that'll be there in Ontario, they need to have spots for them. And unfortunately, Sheldon Rempel was, was squeezed out. I'm sure that Chaz Redekop is going to hook on with another organization. He's a big dude, and people like having those big guys in the lineup. Uh, and and I, I just always laugh when uh, I think back about his one goal. I, there's some tweets about that in the article as well. Uh, and the fact that, that Stuthers had tried him out at forward just to keep him into the lineup to keep his confidence up and to, <laughs> to get him in there. Uh, we, you know, you, you see things like that sometimes. Curtis McDermott might get in there at forward. It's not quite the same thing as when Akil Thomas plays defense, but we've covered that in a previous show. And um, one other little quick bit of business, DB, uh, uh, shameless plug, quick promo. Everybody set your calendars. Uh, block your lunch out on Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, I will be joining the LA Kings online. Uh, I guess it's an online TV program. There will be some draft coverage. They're going to have me on as a guest panelist so we can talk about the uh, the draft picks that the Kings make. How many of them, we sure, we still don't know, but they, there will be plenty of them uh, between their, uh, their, their overabundance of draft selections that they have coming up in, uh, in just a few days, DB. We're right around this the corner. Is the last minute yeah, play Wednesday. That's going to be great. And, uh, John, long time coming. I'm glad you're included in that group um, to discuss it because nobody does more work. And I'm glad that uh, they've seen the light and I'm going to include you in the broadcast. Well, I appreciate that. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, we did a we did a quick run run through the other day, uh, kind of a pre call about it, and there are a number of guests uh, that'll be on the show as well. And 
of course, we would certainly hope that some of the draft picks uh, that are selected would actually be able to join the show. So uh, I'll be doing double duty, uh, you know, jumping on some of the conference calls as well that, that the Kings PR staff puts together with uh, GM Rob Blake. And I'm sure Unetti will have a conference call like he normally does at the end of the second day uh, for the media as well. So there's, there will be a lot going on on Tuesday and Wednesday, DB. But without any further ado, why don't we jump into it, uh, head off the first period. We'll uh, play a quick tune and we'll be back in the second period with Mark Unetti. We have a full slate of questions. We'll see you in just a I'm sober now for three whole months. It's one accomplishment that you helped me with. Second period, welcome back. And a guest that we had penciled in from the very beginning, uh, the very first show that we ever did with Kings of the Podcast. We wanted to get this guy on, and now he is finally here. Mark Yanetti, welcome to the show. Awesome, glad to be here. Okay, well, Yank, we have a ton of stories uh, and a ton of things that we want to get to, but uh, I mean, let's just let's just start easy with an easy softball to get you warmed up. What what have you been up to this week? We heard you got into town a couple of days ago. I'm sure you've just been hanging out on the beach uh, down there in Manhattan, and probably haven't been doing much of anything. I would I would imagine. Yeah, pretty quiet. Uh, the highlight of my week so far is having four foot Q-tips stuck up my nose seven times. So uh, <laughs> great. Other, other than that. Other than being poked and prodded, no, I seriously, I got off the plane. Uh, five hours later, I had uh, a giant Q-tip stuck up each nostril and then the back of my throat. And then I got to go back to my hotel room and quarantine and not see anybody. Have the DoorDash driver leave the food at the door and not even talk to him. So it's uh, the life of a recluse was good. And I passed my COVID test and spent the rest of the time talking hockey with uh, with Rob and Luke and, and Nellie and staff. Well, good. Speaking of the staff, I wanted I wanted to start the show by giving a quick shout out. It's not just the Mark Unetti show. You are also always very complimentary of your staff and the team that puts all the hard work in on the road. So a uh, quick shout out to Teddy and Tony Gasparini and Rutu and and who am I missing? Who who needs to be given a quick shout out for all the hard work gotta, that they've you done? You got to slide, slide Chris Byrne in that group. I mean, but again, you know, everybody, but, but Jason Lewis too. Guys don't even know who that is. Uh-huh. Um, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes is absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know that I don't know if Jason Lewis has had a, a week with fewer than 110 hours of work. So uh, he's someone no one hears about. So but no, the staff, the staff does a lot of work. But you got you got you got the uh, you, you got the most. Okay. So let's talk about your career before we get into the draft. There's plenty of material, plenty of meat on the bone here, Yank. Uh, you played college hockey. And at some point, you end up with the San Antonio Iguanas. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, uh, my first year, uh, I figured, uh, you know, I came out of college. I figured I would go, uh, I went to Anaheim for camp. And just before I got to Anaheim, I was wondering if I'd have to spend any time in the American Hockey League or if I'd be able to go straight to the NHL. Uh Two hours into my first camp at Anaheim, I realized I would never see the NHL when they sent me down. Um, that held true. Uh, I spent time in San Diego and got sent to San Antonio and uh, spent seven, 
probably seven or so years in the mostly double A minor leagues, a little cup of coffee here and there in, uh, in the IHL and AHL, and very uh, long and undistinguished career. Right. <laughs> Well, well, you, you you jumped ahead three or four questions. I was going to break the news to everybody that uh, you went to tryout camp with the Ducks, and we'll talk about that. Yes, oh. one one game in the American Hockey League with the Syracuse Crunch. But there's other thing, there's other little tidbits that are interesting in here. So you had a connection to Don, uh, John Torchetti, who was your coach, and who actually was the coach in Los Angeles right before you joined the Kings, which is kind of weird. So uh, right when Dave Taylor was uh, let go, if I remember correctly, and or not Dave Taylor, excuse me, uh, uh, Andy Murray, in Taylor's last sort of move as the Kings GM, he brings him into coach for, I think, the last dozen games or so. And then those guys are, are, are sent packing, and then Lombardi comes in. So just kind of a little weird connection there that your former coach uh, was, was in town just before you got to Los Angeles. Yeah, he was, he was in town and gone just before I got here. I didn't even get to have him on the way out. Um, he's a hell of a coach, I can tell you that. Like, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's an unbelievable uh uh, you know, communication and he develops guys really well. He was, a, I was pretty lucky to have him as my first, uh, my first, you know, I had coaches in the pros. He was my first real coach in the pros. What was it like? I mean, because recently you guys drafted one of, uh, one of his players. What was it like? Did you ever, you know, reconnect with him over the last couple of years? And oh, yeah. does he I, even I, remember I you? Before... No, no. Remember me. I was... <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> uh, right or wrong, people remember me. <laughs> you know, good or bad. No, I, I I I've talked to Torch. I've 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 talked to Torch from day one. I've stayed in touch with uh, uh with Torch all all the time, all throughout uh, all throughout my first the first time I met him as a player. Till about uh five weeks ago was the last time I talked to Torch. Uh, Torch and Paul Vincent, uh, they, they were they were the, they were the guys who uh, pretty much made me a pro. Now, I want to get to Don Granado in just a second uh, and your connection to him. But the more important thing for me, because I love obscure little hockey facts, you almost became teammates with one of my all-time favorite coaches, which would be Jason Christie, who coached here in Southern California for the ECHL version of the Ontario Reign. Yeah. You guys crossed paths at the, in the, the Columbus Chill and almost became teammates. Yep. So I have to know, do, did you ever play against Smurf? Do you know him? Do you remember? Any good, any good Smurf stories is what I'm trying to get at. I got no. I, I remember him. He was, he was a hell of a player. Uh, I, but I have. I, we weren't close enough that I would have any good Smurf stories. I, I, I hope not letting you down, but I just I'd be making stuff up. <laughs> I was hoping for you know I ran. He's like five two, so I was hoping you'd tell me that you ran him into the boards and squashed him like a bug or something. But that's fine. Uh, Don Granado was uh, was your coach there as well, and of course Tony's brother. Um, did you talk to Don? Any inside information when you were looking to uh, to gather information on uh, on Turcot? Obviously, Rob has a relationship with Tony, but uh, did you did you did you tap into that at all? You know, I've used Donnie uh, again. We, he's, I've stayed in touch with him as well. Uh, I've used Donnie off and on over the years for information. You know, he's called me for information. Uh, not not so much on Turcot, uh, only because we we got we did. So so much in-depth work. We knew so much on Turcotte. Um, you know, I was usually mine, Donnie, for, for, for information I didn't think I could get elsewhere mm-hmm. um, and, and, and such. So not, not so much with Turcotte. Okay. Now, you wore, if I understand things correctly, you wore number three, number 38, or number 39 primarily during your playing days. What, what's the connection to those numbers? I don't know. I wore three all through, uh, all through college. Um I was 39 because it was a high number uh, in Anaheim or, or 
for the AHL, which meant that you were using the jersey for a day or two. Um, they didn't waste the lower numbers on guys like me. So that's why 38 or 39, you get you get called up and whatever the highest jersey they have left is the one that goes on you. Um, but I don't know. I, I was never a superstitious guy. It's just I, I, I wore three in college. I figured I'd wear it in clothes. And, you know, and then I wish I could have a better story. Shit, that sounds boring as hell right now. <laughs> no, we can start this over. Yeah. No, we'll get into the good stuff. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry. We'll, uh, yeah, you know, I promised to make up for it in a little while, but shit, I sound... <laughs> well, can I, swear? I don't know if you're allowed to swear in this. I mean, gosh. Um, you, can, sound, you, can, uh, you can swear all you want. I sound about as boring and vanilla as a guy could be. Yeah, hey, how are you? Wait, wait. If we're going to do a podcast with Mark and not swearing, <laughs> we might as well stop right now. That's, that's right. No, we, we understand. We get it. We yeah. get it. We want the so whole I'm, package, Mark. So I apologize. It's sometimes we clip out, you know, um, that's, that's off my mom. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yank, you, you, you had a, you had a fight or two when you were in uh, training camp with the ducks and chipped the tooth from what I understand. Any memories of this? No, I did. Uh, I have PTSD from my two fights in Anaheim. Um, no, I, uh, I was on the receiving end of, uh, Grimson and, uh, and you and, and I Jesus. had no idea why. Like, no, no, oh, like, I was in the ass. And I rub people the wrong way, but that was those were like drive-by shootings. I had nothing. I was uh, other than other than being on the receiving end. I was an innocent bystander, and I still to this day don't know what I did. Um, I, I remember you, know, you were knocked out. You knocked out my two front teeth, although he knocked out my teeth with a with a butt end, not with a punch. Oh, um, and then and then you know then he you know he hit me so many times. I thought there were two of them. Um, uh, it was it was it was ugly, and then. Grimson was nice. He hit me once or twice. I had bruises on my face from Grimson um, on the top of my forehead and the bottom of my chin. That's how big his hand was. Um, after he hit me twice, he let me off the hook. He realized it was like a, it was more like a mercy killing. And uh, and he never followed up with it. It could have been a lot uglier than it was. Well, well, we're glad you survived long enough to uh, to, to make it to, to make it to today. Uh, let's get to the nickname, all right? Because I was highly disappointed. We're going to get to Mike Fuda questions <laughs> later, but I was highly disappointed at the bomb that Fuda tried to drop on us on Kings of the Podcast a couple months back. So here, I thought I was out promoting you on radio shows and anybody that would listen, uh, dubbing you the smartest man in hockey, which is what, that's my opinion of you. And then Fuda comes on the show and tells me, lo and behold, your nickname is not Yank, that you walk into rooms and introduce yourself as the smartest guy in hockey. So what's the deal here? You know, anybody who listens to, to, a, to a Mike Fuda podcast has to understand that 30 to 40% of it is, is rooted in fantasy. Um, you know, so you can write off, right off the bat, you gotta, you got to be able to separate the, you know, um, I have never, ever, ever said that. Although when I'm in a room with Fuda, it's probably true of the two of us. Oh, 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 oh no. Um, but, but other than that... Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I miss Mike. I, I you know, it's it's it, it, it's hard getting used to not working with someone that you've, uh, you know. Again, I consider my, uh, I consider Mike a close friend, and, and and I don't just mean close. I mean you know, like one of those friends that it, it's almost familial. It's uh, you know, it, it, it's so weird going to the office and not having him there. It's it's just it's just it's hard to get used to, and it's you know, in some cases it's a little less fun sometimes. 
All right, let's save some of the mushy stuff for later. I want I want the hardened right. I want the hardened Marchionetti for just a moment. Look, we're not naive enough right. to think that you're going to give us the playbook uh, of what's going down in a couple of days, so we're not even going to ask you that type of stuff. But just try to talk us through the theory of approaching a draft because one of the most popular articles that that we ever have produced on Mayor's Manor was uh, back the year that Chernak was drafted. You were kind enough to come on and and really you broke down the draft and how you approach things and what goes into it, and it really opened up the I think uh, of a lot of people who thought they knew about the draft. So why, why don't we just uh, start with a couple of uh, questions that'll that'll hopefully shed some light on things. In your opinion, can you over scout a player? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think the majority of players, uh, especially in North America uh, and, and in the primary league, I think the majority of players are over scouted. Uh, I think I think it is a uh, I think it's a it's, I think it's endemic. I, I think. I think players are overscouted, and I think they're overscouted to uh, to the detriment of uh, of formulating a list. Okay, now let me give you the counter to that. You've also said in in the past that you think it's imperative that people are scouted in person. So how do you balance that? Only or not only, but yeah. definitely scouting them in person, not only on tape with players being overscouted. Well, again, overscouted as well. As, you know, yeah, so let's get. I guess let's get deep into it, right? Overscout is a relative term, um, you know, and it's 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 a it's a moving goal. It's moving goalposts. I mean, overscouting a player is different depending on uh, on the number of views, the quality of views, the, the timing of the views. Right? Uh, if you watch uh, if you watch a North American player in the OHL, uh, a highly rated player, you're usually going to watch him play between 18 and 25 minutes a game. Uh, if you watch a 17-year-old kid in the Swedish Elite League, mm-hmm. you might watch him play, you know, again, if you look at Alexander Weinberg, uh, you go to a game, he plays 39 seconds. You go to uh, watch um, uh, Raymond last year, he might play eight minutes. He might play seven minutes. Uh, so, you know, the number of views is dependent on the quality of, of that view. So if I watch... Uh, Again, if I watch uh, Marco Rossi in Ottawa five times, I'm going to see him play over 100 minutes of hockey. And if I watch Raymond play five times, I might see him play 30 minutes of hockey. I might see him play 40 minutes of hockey. So if I if I expand that, let's say I watch Rossi 10 times, you know, now, I'm, now, you know, now I'm over scouting. You know, where if I watch Raymond play 10 times, depending on where I saw him play, is it one of the games where uh, where Fagamo is out and he gets moved up the lineup? Is it one of the games where he, you know where they're competing for uh, uh, a playoff spot and he's pushed down a little bit? Uh, is it just after he came back from the World Junior and and he's and he's rested for, for two minutes? You know, so you know you've got to figure out the views first. But once you figure out the views, uh, that's when you get into overscouting. And and I can tell you that. Dean and I used to go back and forth about this. Like, what's the sweet spot of watching a player, right? Like, how many times do you need to see a player live before you know who he is? And how many times do you need to see a player play on video before you know who he is? And what's that combination? Um, you know, I'm not going to give the combination out. You know, Dean and I never really came to an agreement, but we, we came to an accord. Um, but, you know, if you watch a player, let's say you watch, let's, again, I'm not giving the numbers out, but let's say, Let's say you say 10 times is, is the sweet spot. You watch a player 10 times, you know everything about him. Inside out, you can, you can, you can relate everything there is to know about him. 
Uh, you, you can pick out his good things and his bad things. Once you start watching a player more than more than that, once you know a player cold and you watch him more, you are predisposed to pick out the negative over the positive. You know, it's like anything else. It's, you know, you start dating someone. You know, you know, again, how many how many times you start dating a girl and uh, everything about her is awesome. You know, the, the, you know, and vice versa. Like when I'm dating someone, she probably, you know, you know, all of a sudden two weeks in, you, she realizes you chew like rocks. <laughs> or you know, she realizes that she realizes you no, know, you know what I mean. She realizes you slurp your spaghetti, or she, you know, you know. And then five years into the relationship, she wants to stab you know, she wants to stab me because I never put my clothes away, or, or whatever. You know, it's the you know the magic is gone. Certain thoughts once 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 you get to a point, you, you know, you, you you focus on the negative. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, it's it's true with players. Like you, you watch if you watch a player, you know, you learn who he is. You, you write the things down. You've got a couple views in, and then ah, then you have that eureka moment where everything falls into place, and you really know him. You've got his sense down, you've got his skating down, you've got his compete down. You know he's shown you he's shown you who he is. You know he's shown you what happens when he you know when things are going good, when things are going bad. You know when he's playing at his high, when he's playing at his low. You know you know everything about him. As soon as you start doing it more than that, you know you start picking out the negative. It's almost like a bell curve. You know you you you, you get that that shallow spot in the beginning and, and you're raising and you start rating the guy good, good, good. Then he comes to that period where he's done everything for you and now you're just finding all the bad things. And I think that's what happens, especially for the players. The, you know, the, the higher, the higher the level, the higher, the more often they're scouted. Uh, and, and again, I mean, you don't have to go a whole lot deeper than, than you, you know, again, look at, look at the perceived uh, second and third player in this year's draft, whoever you have. I mean, you know, I mean, read all the negative stuff about these guys. I mean, jeez, how the hell could you consider these? You know, you know, when, when I say the, you know, I'm not saying we have them two or three. I'm just saying publications have consensus. You know, or, or Byfield and Stu, so two and three. How many negative things can you read about these two right now? You, you know, you read about Byfield not having a good hockey IQ, which is crazy, or you read about Stu not being, you know, not taking the puck to the middle and he doesn't do this, and he don't do that, and they don't do this, and they don't do this. All you hear is the negatives when 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 teams are over scouting people. So, um, I, I I think I think the majority of players are scouting. All right, how about this one? How do you avoid recency bias, which is something that is common for most people in the world? Uh, as you get into the getting ready for the draft, some of the players that you've seen more recently, how do you avoid that, or how do you avoid that with the staff? Well, you can't avoid recency biases. I mean, you know, there's a reason they have a fancy term for, you know, I mean, it's, it's so prevalent. They created a fancy term for, hey, I just watched this guy play. You know, <laughs> you know, you know they, created, no, I'm serious. they created a fancy term. For, yeah, I just finished, I just finished doing something. It's the best cheeseburger I've ever eaten. You know? Um, uh, you know, again, I mean, again, you need a, as I said, I mean, you know, they have a fancy analytic term for, don't go just on your last, you know, your last impression. Mm-hmm. Because, but the reason they have that fancy term is because it happens all the time. It does. It happens all the time. It happens to me. It happens to everybody. You know. Um, so how do you I avoid that? You're in the room. You're in the room with Tony, and he's talking to you about, uh, you know, a, some college oh, kid or USHL player. How do you how do you get rid? How do you avoid it? Well, you you, you can't avoid it. I, I, as I said, I mean, you, what you have to do is recognize. It. Okay. You know, I just watched a player mm-hmm. on the, on the plane up here. 
a player I know very well. And damn, was he good in the game I just watched. What was you know, his so name? Obviously, it's the, it's, obviously, I'm not telling you, but obviously, it's the European. <laughs> I'll, give that, I'll give you that because they're playing right now. So, okay. um, but, but geez, you can't forget how good he was. And I'm like, oh, how are we not thinking about this guy? And then, you know, and then, and, and then you snap back to reality. And how do you avoid recency bias? You recognize that you are prone to it, and then you go off of information. I have a body of work right now that, so again, if, how do I avoid it myself? I have a body of work from the, from August of last year until October 1st of this year. And I have numerous reports, numerous analytics, numerous things. You know, I, I have 14 months worth of work that should trump one video or one live view. So what happens is you're like, you know, I call up Bernie or I call up Roots or I call up Tony or Teddy and I'm like, geez, did you see the, the latest video on, on player A? Oh, geez, he's too low on our list. Or, or they'll do it to me. And then you're like, yo, but geez, don't forget, Yank. We were talking about, you know. So basically you just take all the information you have and you put it in context. But you don't avoid it. You know, you, you ride that high. And then, you know, and then if you're doing your job, you, you look at everything and common sense tells you you can't, uh, you can't base 14 months worth of work on, on one hour or one day. So, um, as I said, every one of our scouts does, and every one of our scouts has done it this year. Uh, and that's part of the reason that, you know, they're good scouts because they get emotional and they, and, and, and they're passionate about it. But, you know, again, we have upwards of 25 to 30 reports on a guy. Uh, one, one report in October doesn't trump 25 reports throughout the year. You know, now it's not always the case. I, I see it. You see it happen all the time. A guy is a great. You know, what, what's the recency bias? Usually, it's the uh, under eighteen tournament in April, right? Mm-hmm. You see guys have a great tournament in April, and uh, they shoot up or down a list. You know, um, so again, it's it's something you have to be vigilant about, and it's something you have to be aware of. Like if you're not aware of it, uh, then you'd be prone to prone to recency bias, but. As I said, if you take all the information in in its entirety before you put that name on the list, uh, you won't uh, you won't be affected by recency bias. So let's build on that just a little bit, and maybe your answer is the same. And if it is, it'll be a short answer, and we'll move on. But it, maybe there's more context here. How do you avoid the geographical bias that is also built in? For example, the Kings in years past were often accused of drafting too many players out of the OHL, maybe because of uh, Fudo's connection, you know, to the OHL. Uh, I mentioned Tony earlier. And, uh, you know, he's well-connected in the college world and in the USHL. And so, you know, I, you're sitting in a room and Roots is arguing for a European player because that's his home turf. And I would imagine that Tony's arguing for a player, you know, from his home turf. Is that a real thing? Do you, and, and again, it's the same thing. Once you become aware of it, how do you, how do you address it? That's a hard thing to address. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, uh, first thing, it, it's not... It's not even geographical bias. The first bias is um, if you have a staff, or a person, no one, not all staff members. Just like a, it's just like a team. Not all staff members are equal. Some you know have louder voices, and some don't. Um, and then not all people. You know, we have we have a room full of alphas. You know, and that's 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 just in terms of, of how they do their job. Um, so you you have that. I don't necessarily think Tony fights for a guy from his league because he's from his league or Roots fights for a guy from Europe because he's from Europe or Bernie fights for a guy, you know, because he's from the OHL. Um, 
I, I think what ends up happening is they fight for guys that they know the past. Mm-hmm. And Tony is obviously going to know a player from his area better than he's going to know a player from Roots' area. And Roots is obviously going to know a player from his area better than Tony's area and vice versa. So what happens is you have a subconscious, you have a subconscious bias to promote area people not just because they're from your area. It's not, it's not just a nationalistic thing. It's, it's a, it's a comfort thing. It's an information thing. It's a, you know, it, it's a, it, it's a view thing. You know, Roots is obviously going to see these guys and know them better. And then, and then what, has, and what ends up happening is the context you try to do your evaluations in. So if Tony's doing his job right, he's watching the fulcrums from other teams that are in the same area as the player he's, debating for or arguing for mm-hmm. but you, you, you're inherently flawed there because there's no way he can see a guy in Europe as much as he can see the guy there so if he sees the wrong European game fuck my guy's way better mm-hmm. so you're telling me you're going to consider him I just saw him play uh, I just saw him play at the World Juniors and he sucked mm-hmm. or I just saw him play you know I mean well, no again it happens because you're first yeah. use the most powerful view regardless so um Tony's got a built-in thing, or Roots, or, or myself. I've got a built-in thing. I've seen this guy play five times. Um, and then I go watch a player play, and he doesn't play a good game. That, it is, I tell these kids when I interview them a lot of times, too. Um, first, you don't think it matters. First impressions are enormous. It takes, I watched a video of a kid uh, that our scouting staff did not have rated very highly. And an analytic came up that said that our, our, our staff was maybe missing out on this guy. And uh, he's out of area. He's a guy I hadn't seen. So I watched him. And it might be the best video I've seen in the last five years. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, was, it was everything. It was, you know, I laughed. I cried. You know, um, it, 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 it was just, it was, and, and I came to our guys and I said, you guys are, are, are Wait wrong. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait so, a minute. This is like breaking news right here. You cried? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, because you know, you're, like you're, yeah, was, you're, you're like a robot to me. I don't, I can't, you're like a machine. <laughs> like, you're a well-oiled machine. I can't imagine you shedding a tear. Uh, I, 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 What's the last movie you I, cried I, I, at? I to, oh, God. Oh, uh, you know what? The last movie I cried at was probably Star Wars. They ruined the franchise. <laughs> and, 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 and I brought 13 people from my family to see it because they're all Star Wars nerds. And six of them fell asleep. <laughs> So I paid $220 to take my family to a midnight show in Star Wars, paid an extra 20 for IMAX, and freaking six of them fell asleep. So I had to balance the fact that they ruined the franchise, and I paid I paid for six naps. So I thought that was probably the last time I spent. So, Friends or Seinfeld? No, I can't. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I cried at a movie. Yank, like, Friends know, or I, Seinfeld? Oh, uh, I, I don't get, I don't, I know I'm going to get shit for this. I don't get Seinfeld. Okay. Is that, it's like, it. is that like a New York-Boston thing? Is that what's going on there? I don't know. I just don't get it. But no, because my brother and dad took their last of my hyenas. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm just sitting there like a moron. Like, what, do you like I, Cheers? I don't, I don't get it. No, I'm not a... I, what's I your, what's your show? Like you're, on a, you're on a plane. You're going to Europe. You're done. You, you just, you're, you're overwatching hockey. You, you're, you've OD'd on hockey, and you need a break. What, what do you watch? Oh, my God. Um... God, I have no life. I am, I, I'm just thinking. I, I, I watch hockey. Fine. I, no, I, I don't. Wow. I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I watch. I watch hockey. Um, what music? Do you put on? Do you put some music on and just close your eyes? 
yeah, I do that. You know what? Blue October. They're the best band on the planet. Um, band out of Texas. Uh, Blue October. I, I can, I, I listen, actually, you know what? A lot of times when I watch video, I put them on in the background and in my headphones while I'm watching the video. There you go. Uh, so wait a second, Mark. Wait, wait, wait. So a, a week after the drafts are over, like you're not prepping for the following year. Like what hockey are you watching? Like, in the middle of October. Well, I, I, I again, I, I, people, I have, I have a slight, a, a slight compulsive uh, streak to my, to my personality. Okay. I really, I really struggle. I really struggle to let things go. Um, you do. Okay. I, I, I really struggle, and 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 I can get manic. Um, I, I'm falling to highs and lows, which is not a great combination for things at times. Um, but. So I can tell you, like, I got like this, this year is different, obviously, because of all the of all the non travel and all the time. But sure. there's usually four or five projects that I am I have like like I start during the year and, and I and I can't get to, and they drive me crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a project that I've been working on for the last three years with our team right now, and I won't say what it is, but I finally got it finished. And, you know, and 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 mm-hmm. Chris Byrne had a big role in it, and Jason. Um, because we had all this time, so uh, sure. I was able to devote almost a, a, a full month to it. So I, I get I get in these little moods. So w- when the draft's over, I can tell you um, there's 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 like three or four things I have to finish, you know, and they're usually hockey right. related. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I, I you know what I I I, I suck. I was like. I, you know what? I wish I could, you know what? I, I, I go build homes for Habitat for the Humanity. <laughs> uh, you know, or, uh, you know, I redo my basement and drywall it and all that shit. No, I don't. All I, right. I, I, I don't. I, you're, I, driven, I, you're a driven guy. It's okay. I mean, that, that's, that's why oh, you're just for, so successful, right? Just for things I, just for things I like. You know, no, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's other things too, but, but usually that takes Christmas. We'll bring we'll bring things back. We'll get we'll get the the uh, the train back on the tracks here. So you you mentioned how this year has been different, obviously with COVID um, and the lost season. I'm imagining that it changed your approach and the, the the staff and the whole approach to scouting and and getting ready for the draft. Uh, tell us about that. What what changed besides the obvious of using more video and and doing Zoom interviews with players? I would assume. COVID opened up so many avenues for us to become better. It's hard to it's it's hard to describe like you, you you know like it opened up so many things like you know you you you, you hammer a picture nail into the wall and you screw it up and then all of a sudden you get those fifteen little cracks um like that that was like it is like oh shit like you know we're not going to get the live views we're not going to get this um we were fortunate in the beginning uh, Jason and I have been doing some things that actually prepared us. We were ready to go when they shut us down and there were no more leads, no more travel. It only took us about 36 hours to put it in place. Wow. Um, it was, it, it, you know, it, 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 it wasn't luck, um, but it was, it was, it was for, it was fortuitous happenstance. You know, luck means you hadn't prepared. Um, being fortuitous for me or fortunate for me means that we had taken steps to prepare and it just happened to fall at the right time. <laughs> so, um, we were, we were fortunate and we've been putting things in place that actually lended itself to, to working well, um, without live views. So, uh, COVID, COVID helped us. It, it, you know, again, there's the obvious thing. It allowed us, um, 
it allowed us six extra months to do things. Now, it allowed everybody, you know, extra months too, but uh, we we gave guys, you know, usually our top 40 guys in our list get a certain level of scrutiny, and then the further you go down the list, the, the less scrutiny they get. I mean, you have a finite amount of time to allocate towards, towards, towards scouting these guys, towards doing whatever metrics you use outside of scouting for these guys. Um, and that was extended. So, you know, as I said, I think you can overscout and I think you can overanalyze. So we didn't throw those extra hours into the 40, the top 40 guys. It's not like we just added those extra guys. So those hours there, those hours are, already, you know, we're at the, we're at the saturation point with those hours anyway. So every hour that we gained was spent on our list from, you know, from 41 on. So there will be guys in our fifth round and our sixth round that got the exact same scrutiny as guys in our first round. So that's one area uh, where it helps. Now, any team in the league could could say that. I don't know that they are or not. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, again, um, it's not something I concern myself with. But that, that's one area that we that we certainly use that time. Then the other thing is you've got to, you know, you have to adapt and you have to evolve. Um, to whatever medium you're, you're, you're allowed. So there were ways, I, I, I think, I think there was an inefficiency to things we did. Um, you know, there's a built in inefficiency to scouting regardless, whether you're scouting baseball, football, hockey, whatever it is. There's, there's a, there's an inefficiency built in because there's no other way to do the job until they come, until they come up with Star Trek transporters that you bring yourself right into a game and there's no wasted time. Um, again, driving five hours to a game is inefficient. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's necessary, but it's inefficient. You know, in that five hours you're driving your car, you can't be studying. You know, reports. You can't be going over things. You know, you, you're a prisoner. You know, um, and, and and such like that. So there's an inefficiency built into any kind of scouting that's inevitable and unavoidable. But did you guys watch we games together to, at all? Like, did you guys yeah, get on a Zoom yeah. and, like, you know, five guys are all across the globe and you guys watched the game together and, you know, virtually scouted, if you will? A little bit. That That's harder to do than you would imagine. Okay. Um, it, 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 again, it, it, the, the one thing we couldn't, the one thing we couldn't overcome, and I, and I, I know I said this, to, to, I forget, I, I think I said it on the season ticket holder thing the other day. Um, anything that involves a live component, whether it's an interview or a meeting or watching, that was the, those are the things that we couldn't bridge with technology or innovation or, 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 or outside the box thinking. Um, watching a game with, with, with the staff member, uh, is so enlightening. You know, watching a game with Tony or Chris or Teddy or Ruth, uh, you know, watching a game with Brian or, 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 or Denny Fougere, um, because nobody sees things the same, uh, there's a, there's a discourse and a back and forth and, and, and stuff. And then discussing the game after, um, it, it leads to inroads. It leads to different ways of thinking. Whether you agree with the person or not, it leads to debate. Uh, it leads to discussion. Um, it leads you to look at things. You know, again, you know, if I disagree with, uh, with something Brian Denny saw in the first period, I'm looking for it in a second to see, well, A, is he right? Or B, how do I prove my point? And, and he's doing the same thing. So you're watching the game a little differently after you talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really 
we tried. We did. We tried, again. I had uh, I had Tony, I had Burn, Chris Burn, I had Brian, and I had uh, Ted Belisle on. The only reason I didn't have Roots on is because it's seven o'clock at night, and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make Roots watch a game with us if, <laughs> at three thirty finish time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it was a disaster. Um, the feed would, you know, the feed would jump on Tony's end, and then he'd be a, a little bit behind, <laughs> and then, uh, and then it would jump on, you know, and, and and now all of a sudden we're talking about something that hasn't happened yet. You know, right. Are you a wizard? You know, like, it's, <laughs> like it's, you know, you know. Um, so it, 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 we stopped it after about a period. Uh, it just, it just didn't work watching it together like that. So um, I, I wish, I wish I could sit here and say how profound we were, and yeah, we watched games together every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and, and discussed it. It just didn't work. So, um, so we, we scrapped that and same thing, the meetings, um, the meetings, I'm not gonna lie, the meetings, they don't suck online, but, but they're not even, they're not even close to, uh, you know, you, you can't, you can't replicate the meetings. Um, sure. you know, it, it, and it really affected, um, it, it really had, I think it had a little bit more of a profound effect on the European staff, um, because time wise, you know, you know, you can have, I can have a meeting with anybody in my North American staff from seven in the morning until 10 at night. I can't have that with the Euro guys. Sure. You know, you know, I can't have, I can't have a meeting with the Euro guys at six o'clock at night. It's not fair, you know, and same thing. They can't have a meeting with me at eight, you know, at eight o'clock their time. Cause you know, I'm not, you know, so the meetings, I, I feel like, I feel like it was harder to get the European stuff integrated and to get them feeling like they were part of the process. It actually, it actually took work to get them, to get them think. And, and, and again, that's, it's nobody's fault. It's just the reality. It's just, you know, it's just, it was hard to do. We did it, but it it, it required more work, more planning, more compartmentalization. Um, And, and again, compartmentalizing a meeting doesn't promote discourse. It doesn't, you know, Mm-hmm. It was hard to get, you know, and then when you get a guy all on a Zoom call and you get guys passionately debating players, uh, you know, again, you're waiting for someone to stop. And when you look at someone in the eye, you can read a pause when you're, when you're on Zoom, are they stopping to catch a breath? And then you go to talk and then they're, they're still talking. And then you got that, you know, or then you got, oh, no, you go, no, no, uh, you know, and, and then, oh, Sucks, right? And then, then you get the pause where they're really done, and now you have that awkward first date silence, and no one's talking for ten seconds because they're waiting to see if he's, you know, because you just interrupted him twice when you thought he was done, and now you're being, you know, essentially polite, and he was actually finished, and you just got ten minutes of dead air. Um, it, it just, it's not. It, it that's the one thing. The meetings didn't flow naturally. The, the debate didn't flow naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, it, it was, it was very. It, it, it had an antiseptic feel sometimes. Um, so we, you know, again, that was something, you know, and, and same thing with the interviews with the players, you know, you know, it's harder to read body language. You know, you, you know, if a guy's smart, he's got the camera set just on his shoulders and his face. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if I were, if I were to be with an NHL team, um, I wouldn't let him see my body language if I didn't have to, you know, sure. fuck, you hit it. Oh, they asked the question to hit home, you know, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you fold your arms, you cross your legs, you start tapping your foot. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm a player, they get to see my face only. You know, I blur the background. I you know, I use a soft filter. You know, make my make my skin look nice. Make you know, 
make 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 it look like um make it look like I'm staring at the camera when All I right, got my, wait a minute, Yank. You know, is this is this on. your admission that you have a secret Instagram account with uh with and, and you're familiar with filters and stuff? I have no social media whatsoever. <laughs> nothing. Sure. I have no Facebook, I have no Instagram, nothing. Uh but I am well versed in you know, again, Presenting, you know, there's, there's there's things you want to present. There's certain times you want to present a certain image. There's certain times, you know what I mean? There's certain times you want to appear strong. Certain times, there's times you want to appear weak, you know. Um, uh, you know, the times you want to appear, you know, there's times you want to appear like a guy smarter than you, you, you know. And and again, in, in one of those, in, in those interviews, you know, sometimes, you know, hey, ask, uh, ask Akil. You know, Akil got as hard an interview as, as we gave a guy. Uh, uh, two years ago, um, and there were questions that there were questions I asked, or or, or, or ways I phrased it uh, specifically to elicit a response for him, where I didn't I didn't care about what his answer answer was substantively. I, I cared about uh, about how he dealt with the question. Um, you know, the answer became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. The process and watching his body language and watching watching how he answered it, watching if it, if it elicited a, a, an emotional thing. Did he, did he get nervous? Did he get, you know, and, and again, I, 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 I say it with him because, you know, uh, the way he dealt with our interview process was, was exemplary, you know, and, 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 and it wasn't easy. Um, so again, I, I use him because of, because of how he dealt with things, but there's, there's times you ask a question just to see a, 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 a player's body language. Mm-hmm. We did that with Drew. She, we beat up through, um, you know, I, you know, Dean, Mike, and myself, we, we, we sat at the table and, 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 and asked him questions specifically designed to get him angry, um, specifically designed to hurt his pride. Uh, you know, and again, the, the answer was irrelevant. Uh, the attitude, the, the way he dealt with it, the conviction was what we were looking for. Uh, and, and I don't, I, I, I just, you can't, you can't do that on Zoom for a couple of reasons. A, you can't do it because it's hard to set up. B, you can't do it because you can't see the body language. And C, you can't you can't you can't put a person you can't be adversarial. You can't put a person in an uncomfortable situation if you're not there yeah, as an equal participant. Sure. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. a coward if you do that. Hey. You know. Um, so so. Some of the some of those things are out the window, and and you know I'm going to sit there and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sit there you know, for simplify I'm going to sit there and be bad cop behind a freaking computer screen, mm-hmm. you know that's fucking that's that's being a troll, that's you know Yank. that's being unaccountable right. that's you know what I mean so so some of those things are now out the window and, and those are some of the things that that you know if you know like Mike and I used to practice and and, and Mike and I you know. You, you, you used to look for things. Dean taught us stuff like that, um, and, and that's part of the arsenal. That's now, in my opinion, you, you can't you can't put someone through an interrogation, you know, because it can be an interview or it can be an interrogation, right? Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is, um, somebody gets their ten million, twenty million dollar check. Uh, you lose the right to to a kumbaya moment. Um, when when it's a twenty twenty million dollar decision, it might it might go it might go one way where it's all puppy dogs and roses, um, like the like the like um, like our Braden Shen interviews were like that, um, 
or it might be, you know, it takes the Drew's, Drew's one of Drew's interviews was five hours long and three hours of it were unbelievably uncomfortable. You know, do that behind a keyboard, behind a screen. Yeah, it's not fair. So, so those were things that, that, that were really hard to get through. And, 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 and part of the process you can't, you can't use, you can't replicate. All right, so you mentioned Akil Thomas. I want to get back to him real quickly and how that might tie into this year's draft, but you also mentioned Dowdy, so I have to follow up. For years, I've maintained, written the articles, et cetera, and said that the whole Stamkos versus Dowdy debate did not exist inside the LA Kings, that if you had the number one pick, you guys were going to take Drew Dowdy. You weren't taking Steven Stamkos. Do you want to, do you want to settle this debate once and for all? There's no debate. We were taking Drew Dowdy no matter what. Okay, thank anybody you. Who's, anybody who – anybody – and again, I don't feel like I need to justify this. Like, oh, I no. No, I'm not asking you to justify it. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, but I mean, this, this pops up all the time. It pops up, you know. I tell you this. We had Drew Doughty and Steven Stamkos rated in the identical tier. You know, they're, they're in the same tier. But at that point, it makes, we don't have to rate Doughty or Stamkos one or two. The second you have Doughty and Stamkos in the same tier, how did, and again, Dean was on record from day one of how he's building his team. He's building his team what? He's building his team from the back line out and yeah. out. Mm-hmm. So he's building D first, center second. You know, it, it's there. D trumps, D trumps forward. Mm-hmm. Center trumps wing. You know, mm-hmm. so again, it, it was a moot point. It didn't matter if it was Drudelli. It didn't matter who it was. All I need to look at in that tier is a D and a forward, and the D goes ahead. Now, now that's based on Dean's building. That's not necessarily how Rob builds it. They, you know, we, 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 we assign values to different things now here. Uh, and, and, and again, I feel very comfortable talking about Dean's because he publicized it, one, and two, we're not using it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm not giving away anything proprietary. But again, Doughty was one, Sam Post was two. There was never a debate because we're taking a D over a, over a forward. Okay. Thank you. Akil Thomas, um, as an example, and there could be many others, but so you guys, you guys spend a lot of time interviewing players. You know, the players, you, you, you build a relationship with a player, you bond with the player and there's a trust that exists when you now get a year removed or even two years removed from a player's draft year. Do you ever go back and talk to that player as part of the scouting process? And for example, Akil Thomas can give you information on Dudas or now this year he could give you information about Byfield, um, just again, as as a case in point, do you ever talk to prospects about their 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 teammates or even playing against those guys? And if so, how much weight do you put on that in terms of your overall analysis? Do we ever do it? Yes. Um, it's not as prevalent, nor is it um, as important uh, as, as as one might describe. It's a small little piece of information. Um, so, so yes, I do it. Yes, uh, we do it. Um, but talking to a player about someone, uh, it depends on the player, too, how much. Like, you know, if you're talking to um, a skilled power play guy who is not a culture guy, um compared to a, a guy who's a culture guy, the culture guy's words w- would have more weight. Um, you know, if, if Justin Williams says something about a guy, um, you know, if it holds more, and this isn't an indictment, I'm, I, it holds more weight than if Teddy Purcell says something about a guy. It's not an indictment on Teddy, and it's not, you know, it's, it's simple, you know, you know, you're talking, 
it's it's just it's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, it's not an indictment on on Teddy. It's just you know Williams has a little more weight. Um, you, you know, so so yeah. But the other thing too is players will like coaches a lot of times too. Um, there's guys I play with that I just hate. You know, like really, like there's guys I wish I could go. There's guys I played with or against that I could wish I could go back and, and cross check in the face. And, and I'm sure they wish the same thing, you know, about, you know, some, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, believe it or not, as wonderful as I am, I've rubbed the person wrong here or there throughout my life. Um, so, so you can't, you, you, you know, coaches have biases. I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a coach and, and, oh, it's great. Hardest work on the team. Great. Hardest work on the team. Well, you just said that about the other guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got two guys who look in the draft. They're both the hardest worker on the team. That's the coach's job. The coach's job is to protect the player. The coach's job is to be passionate about his player. Same thing with a teammate, right? Like, like, um, okay, we brought up Akil. He's easy. Um, you know, Akil won a, a, a gold medal at the most important tournament an amateur can, a hockey player can win at. Mm-hmm. Um, his recollections of that tournament are going to be different than if they had won a bronze medal or didn't win a medal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so circumstance can taint it. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's important to hear what a player has to say or a coach has to say or, you know, but but I find the further you get removed from ice level, the more objective and honest a review of a player. You know, when you talk to a general manager of a Ontario League team or WHL team, you get a little bit less biased and a little bit more objective opinion than if you talk to a coach. Um, but, but again, I, I don't know if a coach can be successful without being emotionally attached to a player. And I don't know if a player can be in a team atmosphere. I don't know if a player can be successful without having an emotional attachment to the players on the team. Um, you know, again, that's what makes guys good captains. That what makes guys good teammates. So um, I think you take every rating with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, that way. So Mark, um, look, we're going to be assumptive with respect to your second overall pick, but I think the fans are really intrigued. You may have five opportunities in the second and third round to make picks here. So just a couple mm-hmm. of questions, uh, not person specific, but just like general approach strategically. Number one, the team, the organizations had challenges with talent coming out of Russia in the KHL. The Kovalchuk thing was a disaster. Horkin was a fourth line player. Wound up going back to the K, and the difficulty of just getting players out of there. Like, is that still a viable, legitimate pipeline for our Lakers? In the second and third round, there's going to be some you know, KHL players available to you. Yeah, is it, you know, again, anytime you shut off one one avenue of talent, one one pipeline, right? Anytime you shut mm-hmm. off one pipeline, you, you, you risk. You know, again, remember when no no one would take a Russian in the NHL. I don't want a Russian. Right. I don't want a Russian. Right. Well, those teams, uh, those teams paid the price for that. And it was like that with Americans at some time. It was like that with Europeans at some time. You know, at, at, at some point, an absolutism um, in terms of anything is going to hurt you. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, you know, our Russian and I, and, I, and believe me, I get where you're going. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't had a real successful run on on pro or amateur side in regards to Russian. Um, so the first thing we got to do is analyze why. Um, 
you know, and again, I'm 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 not going to sit here and analyze the Kovalchuk thing. I'm not going to right. You know, no, no, you know, we're, we're talking. Again, we're talking about amateur things right now, so we'll analyze amateur right. things. Um, so you know, you know, the Pekorkin thing, the the Pekorkin thing went bad for a number of reasons. Um, you know, he's partially to blame for it. Uh, we're partially to blame for it. The circumstance is partially to blame for it. Right. Um, the fact that the KHL can pay him better than we can during the entry level thing is partly to blame. You know, I mean, if, if he had come over and stayed over, I think you would have seen, um, I think you would have seen a much more successful result. Mm-hmm. You know, when he came, by the time he came over, um, by the time he came over, this is on this is partially on him right here. By the time he came over, the, the, the key development points of his uh, of, mm-hmm. of, of thing were were diminished or, or done, and, and, and that's right. on him. Um, now, let's let's move the share of the blame now to the, to the king. Um, you know, we didn't create we didn't create a good enough avenue for him to want to come over soon enough. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that's happened. That's happened with a couple of prospects that you see that you see blossoming in other places. You know, you know, at some point it's on him. But you know what? There's a point in the process where it's also on us. You know, we needed with him. We needed to. It doesn't matter that he didn't come over. We needed to find a way to get him over. So I can end the story. You know, um, mm. the fact of the matter is we needed to develop him better than we did. And we needed to develop him at a crucial stage in his right. in, in his growth um, that we didn't. Now, part of that problem is, you know, yeah, sure, come on over and play in the American League for seventy five grand for one hundred and fifty grand. Who gets for two hundred grand? Come on over and play in the American League for three hundred grand. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I can play on the Russian Olympic team and I can play in the KHL and make three million. Um, there's there's a built in there's, there's a built in restrictor that doesn't allow us to do it. Um, so we have to be mindful of the fact that if you're going to draft a Russian and if you're going to develop a Russian, it has to be a high level Russian that can put himself into the NHL earlier rather than later. That's financially, that's financial realism, right? Sure. Um, again, uh, if you're going to draft a middle six Russian, it's probably not going to be conducive to success. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest success story we ever had as a player w- w- was Voinov. Um, and he was a guy who we still could have lost to the KHL. Um, right. But, but you, we need to, we need to, we need to not replicate some of those mistakes. Again, Corkin, he could have been a really good player. I mean, again, he came over at, at that age and played a full season for us in the NHL. I mean, it's not easy to do. Uh, it, it tells you it kind of it kind of makes you lament what could have been right. Um, sure. So so again, we need to adjust our philosophy in terms of what Russian player to draft, what development path we can offer, um, sure. and 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 what timeline we can get them to the NHL to have any hope of success. Um, and 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 again, I think you've seen us not drafting a lot of Russians in the last couple of years. Um, we're not, we're not, we're not scared off of them. Um, but we're, we're also mindful. We're also mindful of the reality of, 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 of what, 
of what the reality of potential success is if we do if we do draft them. Um, our roadmap is going to be a lot clearer uh, and and a, and 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 a lot more linear. Um, sure. So so again, you know, there there might be a case where there might be a case where we go North American over Russian. Uh, but there might also be a case where we say, you know what, you know what? this player has a talent level um, that that it trumps that. But I, I, I think we have to be mindful of the reality of a, of getting a, a middle or a bottom six Russian integrated mm-hmm. into our lineup in a timely manner uh, when the KHL can can pay him better and and, and he can be more comfortable at home. Um, Mark, you know when you read these scouting reports on second and third round players, like one of the big Issues of skating, skating style, power, whatever. I'm going to use the Winnipeg Jets skating system, right? Three, you're terrible skater. Nine, you're a great, you're kind of McDavid. Like, so if you identify a player that has all the other assets and he's a five, like, and you need him to, can you move him to a seven? Like, how do you project on the, if the skating's a deficiency? Well, it's the biggest challenge in being an NHL player. Like, how much do you think that the organization can move the needle on an average skater to make him an NHL caliber skater? Um, I'm trying to think of how to answer it. Uh, well, you know what? We're here. We're, so here's your answer. It, it depends. So that's a, that's a shitty answer. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna end I'm not gonna end with it depends. But but. No, it depends. I mean, um, there is certain, as we've gotten deeper and deeper into this, I think mistakes, for a long time, I think mistakes were made in the NHL based on size. I think you saw a lot of big mistakes made based on the perception that you needed size to play in the NHL. Try to still need size, but, but it, it, it doesn't preclude you if you're small. And I think at one time it did. And I think you saw a lot of mistakes, and mistakes are still made that way, but, but far fewer. Um, based on size, I think the next one is skating. Um, I, I, I think Great. high level skating can be overvalued, and and poor skating can be over over criticized. But that being said, I fully believe there are there are types there are types of skating that you cannot improve, or right. or the, the it's just the 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 the, imp- the improvements are small and 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 hard to do. Um, I'm not going to tell you what type, you know, because I think no, 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 no. But, but I, I think I think there's a level of skating that you can't, you know, again. So what, what you said that the Winnipeg Jets it was a three to nine. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, three to nine. Right. Uh, and so three is bad, and nine is good, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I, I, I think if you're a three or a four, you can't improve it um, based it. on the Winnipeg Jets. I, I just think you're doomed. I, I, you know. If you're a three or four, there's a major technical flaw there, and I don't mm-hmm. know that you can, you know. Again, so let's 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 talk non-proprietary stuff. Um, you know, Tanner Pearson, Tanner Pearson went through two drafts because he was a poor skater or perceived a poor skater. He's a he's a pretty good skater right now. You know, he's certainly <laughs> not a he's certainly he's certainly not a, 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 a you know using that three to nine. He's certainly not a he's certainly not a six. You know, he's closer to the eight mm-hmm. range now. Um, right. you know, close to the seven range. So, so, you know, so you got, you know, again, Tanner Pearson goes through a draft like that twice and you start figuring out why is the skate, you know, and then you start doing, well, you know what, he didn't, so, 
part of the reason he didn't get drafted is because he didn't work. You know, he didn't mm. play in the offseason. He did. Now that's where the area scout starts making his money. You know, um, you know, we, we draft. We 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 start looking at the tape. We start talking to the kid. We start looking at the information. Um, we think Tanner Peterson skating is uh, a red herring. You know, we think it's mm-hmm. you know his his skating is artificially bad. Uh, if he's willing to buy in, if he's willing to do this, um, you know, it's it's going to improve you know exponentially. And then then you know, mm-hmm. and then you look at Tyler Toffoli, right? Tyler Toffoli right. had no business going in the second round, but the fact of the matter is, he was a perceived bad skater. I would right. I would think some of the teams would have had Tyler Toffoli at that at that three that Winnipeg three thing you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But again, here's a baby fat kid who didn't work off the ice, who didn't work the skating, who you know who had a lot of things going against him. He had a minor technical flaw to his skating, um, one that could be overcome. Well, I'm not sure you could fix the flaw. You could disguise the flaw by, mm-hmm. by uh, you know, where Pearson didn't have a flaw, it was purely other things. Foley had a small flaw where all these other things that he decided to do them, you know, it, you know, it's like it, it, it could compensate. It's like it's like your other sense is taken over. It's like um, so so. Again, that's part of the reason we were willing to move up two spots in the, in the draft to get him. You know, we thought that his skating would get to an NHL, you know, whatever, whatever that average is, an NHL average rating. And if it did, his goal scoring, in a sense, and his, you know, his his ability to produce would would not be hampered by his skating. So, so there are, you know, there's 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 one example where there's no technical flaw, and it's and it's purely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's purely buy-in. It's purely effort. There's one where it's a small technical flaw, where the right amount of buy-in will disguise that flaw, and then there's um, then there's uh, there's skating that you just can't, in my opinion, just sure. can't fix. Can't fix. Um, one last one for me. So um, the team was 30th in scoring last year. You did draft Kaliev, who was a quote-unquote pure score goal. In the five picks that you have in the second and third. Do you think there's a need to identify another player of that type that may not be the 200-foot player and the, the, the defensively you know, responsible player, but a guy like Arthur who will fill the net? Do you think there's a need to identify that player in this draft for you as well? Um, that's, harder, that's harder to answer because, um, you know, if uh, – I know, I, know I know where the Kings had Calia because – you know, I, I obviously yeah, of course. Well, I have access to. So, um, <laughs> if the Kings were, well, no, I mean, again, this gets into draft strategy too, right? Right. Um, if anybody in the room thinks that the Kings had Cali have exactly a thirty-four in their list, they're crazy. You know, um, Cali was not the thirty-fourth ranked player on the Kings list. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't tell you where he was, but it was it was a close thirty-four. Um, you know, if I'm going to assume there were probably three or four other teams that felt the way about Calia that the Kings did. If the Kings were picking 29, guess who their player was? Yep. Calia. You know, if, if one of the teams that thought the way the Kings were, were thinking um, were picking at 30, 31, 32, Calia sure. isn't, isn't on the Kings roster. So, like, the, 
I don't know who's going to fall this year for what reason. The only thing we do know is mm-hmm. two or three players are going to fall because it happens right. every year. Yes. Now, those players have to fall, and they have to fall to us, and they have to be the player we want. Like, we might be one of the teams mm-hmm. that use, you know, you know, if we were one of the teams that view Kaliev's um, deficiencies in a negative light, well, now you're, now you're talking about the Kings drafting a different player, you know what I mean? Sure. Yes, um, totally. So, again, a lot of factors go into that. I, 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 again, um, when we were drafting players at a certain time, scoring was not what we were interested in. Don't get me wrong. We're not stupid. Um, <laughs> we know you need scoring. But, but scoring wasn't scoring wasn't the, the, the number one factor we were using to build our team, you know, at one point. Dean had a philosophy, and and again, we, 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 we left better players on the board knowing we were leaving better mm-hmm. players on the board sometimes. Got it. Draft a certain type of player to help us win a cup. Um, now, with Rob, mm-hmm. he wants the team to play a different way, and scoring is obviously, you've seen our drafting. Scoring is obviously more important to us now than it was. Um, I certainly think in a perfect world, we need to pick up scoring um, in in the second round. But that being said, um, we need to pick up scoring not in – we can't overlook certain deficiencies to get scoring. We can't skip certain players to get to scoring. Um, Right. right. So – you know, uh, I certainly look at this year's draft and I see our picks and I see guys that can score in areas I think our picks are going to be at 35, at 51, and 60. I think there's, I think there's scoring available. Perfect answer. Less so at 50, but, but, but certainly at 35 mm-hmm. and, and, and slightly less so at 51. Um, but, you know, we could, if the draft, you know, I mean, if the draft had fallen a little differently, um, we could have gone forward, 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 or defense, defense, defense last year. You know what I mean? Like, sure. if, if okay. we're, yeah. you know, if we're picking two picks later, um, or you know, or two picks earlier, in in in, in our picks from five to to, to thirty five, um, our, our 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 team makeup could have been draft. You know, the, the draft makeup could have been totally different. I mean, we could have we could have gone three forwards. We could have gone two deep. Um, just by just by the happenstance of two picks. So, you know, yeah, we got scoring targeted at 35. There's no question. But if our if our draft goes wrong, you could end up with a, you know, with a culture guy at 35, or sure. you know, you know, instead of getting a Akil Thomas at 51, you're getting a defensive defenseman at 51. You know, I, I, I you know, we, we want to add we want to add skill, we want to add scoring, and we want to add hockey sense to our to our to our team. Um, but we're not going to add scoring at the expense of losing two attributes in, a, in another player. Uh, if, if, that, if that makes sense. All right. Totally. Well, Yank, I'm going to call my shot right now, and I know you're not going to argue with me uh, because you're not going to tip your hand, but the Kings are going to select a defenseman at 35 in this, uh, with their first pick in the second round. So I'm on record with that now. Do you think we're going to draft two, two D with our first two picks? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's a boy. You're the, Way to go, Mike Drop. You're the you're the best Yank. Uh, the, look, you, the, we the could mayor talk. And I, were making, I read his article before this. So. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. So, yes, now I have two predictions on record. There will be more to follow prior to Tuesday night. Yank, I, we could talk to you for hours. We still have 27 questions left, I think, to, to, uh, to go over with you, but you've given us a full hour up until now. I want to end with some fun stuff. We'll book you later to talk about how do you evaluate yourself after the draft, how do you evaluate the staff, uh, more about just your draft philosophies and your scouting philosophies. I think it's a, a real nice peek behind the curtain that, that fans, hopefully, are, uh, have been entertained here for the last hour, even, even through your terrible take on television shows and whatnot, but let's have some fun here. Um, let's create the perfect NHL players. Like a we ra- haven't been having fun. <laughs> we more fun, fun. different, different type more. of fun. Okay. All right. Okay. Right. Let's All create right. the perfect NHL player. Just a rapid fire, single answer. Uh, in your opinion, perfect NHL player. He would have the feet and skating ability of. Well, you know, McDavid. That was easy. All right, and he would have the frame of. Uh, and the hockey IQ of oh god um, uh, Marner uh, I'm doing these quick by the way I don't know if we're playing the math game or newlywed game or whatever <laughs> I'm trying not to think too deeply on it yeah, don't, don't overthink this uh, and he would have the leadership skills of uh, that changes every year um, again uh, I'm, I'm partial to the guys that won the cup with us. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm partial to the guys like Williams and Stoll and, and Richards and, 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 you know, uh, and green, uh, you know what, the, the, the guys that helped us win the cup, I mean, but, but I mean, again, you've got guys like, you know, you've got guys like Polino who doesn't get any credit in Columbus. Um, you know what? I'm going with the guys who brought us to the dance. Any any one of those guys I just mentioned. Okay. You know, which would Williams miss a game seven? So you know, but Richards at one time was that too. Stoley had that factor that no one has, and, and Greener. You know, any one of those guys. And I can't, I can't, I can't separate. I'm too close to that one. That's fine. And he would, ha- and you're going to love this one. And the uh, perfect NHL player would have the intangibles of. That one's harder. Um, um, you know, I'm going to get shit for this. Um, I think... If you say Dwight King, uh, I'm hanging up right now. No, I, I think I think when Drew was in that, that trifecta of Canadian uh, Olympic gold medal, Norris mm-hmm. Trophy, and Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. again, I'm allowed to swear in this program, Drew had that perfect fuck you and that perfect um, untainted honesty, uh, you know, where, and he still says too much sometimes, but back then it was a different kind of saying too much. Drew had some intangibles back then, but, but sort of quickie. One, one of those guys, quickie's intangibles or, or Drew's intangibles when we won that first cup. Like, it, it'd be hard It'd be hard to argue against the, what, what, quick, what quick did. By the time we got to the Phoenix series, we could have put anybody in the world in net and we would have won the Stanley Cup. But until we got to that Phoenix series, every time Quick took the ice, our guys just assumed all we needed to do was get one goal. Mm-hmm. That's an intangible you can't, uh, you, you, you can't, uh, you, you can't buy. So, you know what, uh, either one of those, either one of those, but you'd probably have to, I'd probably, in, in thinking about it, you'd probably have to go with Quick's intangible from that year. All right. Especially in the first two series. 
All right. So earlier in the show, way back an hour ago, you, you passed out a receipt to Mike Fuda. There still needs to be a couple more receipts, uh, I think, that have come due. What about uh, Foot saying that you carry the same suit everywhere that you go? No. First of all, there's something, you know, again, that's, again he takes one little thing and, and, and focuses it and folds it up into one thing. I don't take one suit where I take one bag wherever I go. If I go, if I go to Europe on a 35-day trip, I take a carry-on bag. Um, but again, if you know how to pack, I can put two workouts, two different workout outfits. I can put two pairs of jeans. I can put four shirts as many, you know, and you know what? You can do laundry on the road, you know, instead of these cute and, and you know what? Cute is like a Kardashian. You, you know, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. No, 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 no. Well, you know what? You know, that's first dagger. How you much know, hair product does he bring? We checked into a hotel in, in Toronto for our meeting. Mike lived in Toronto <laughs> and he came to the thing I'm telling you if they were Louis Vuitton bags it would have been the perfect scenario he's there at check-in and he's got five bags <laughs> so we're in we're in Toronto we're there for eight days at the Toronto Airport Marriott and he needed a Sherpa to get his bags to his room so you tell me you know me with my one bag or, or, or him you, you know you know him, him with that but uh I'm not kidding. It's five bags. It was, I, it was insane. Now I know that you happened to listen to that particular episode when he was on. Um, his I did. I listened. To, I listened to every word you guys said. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, oh, so I was worried what you were going to say. The what? I didn't even know. I didn't even know you guys had a radio show until Fuse was on. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> so some sort of a weird, no, weird know backhanded compliment that I'm not going to believe. But no, okay. you know that's not true. You know my mom. <laughs> so uh, no, you know I know that. Thank you. Uh, your wedding. <laughs> His description of coming yeah, into town for your wedding and and all of the uh, all you know Tommy Two Thumbs or whatever the names were that he handed out. Uh, how accurate of a description is that? You know what I, I I'm I, I'm sad to say. Um, my description of my wedding was probably, uh, was probably spot on. There were, you know, there, 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 yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I, Mike, I, I can't, I can't, I can't dispute, I can't dispute my description of my wedding. They weren't, they weren't necessarily my invite, but they, but, but yes, my description of my wedding was apropos. Fair enough. Uh, I can't defend myself. He's, he's not, he's not, he's not even hyperbole there. He don't. He made story sound better than it needs to be. He embellished, but it's it's it, it's barely done on. Now you have never been at home this long. I mean, this ha- like like we talk about with the players. Uh, this has to be weird for your wife to have you around all the time because she normally gets a break. You know, every every couple weeks, Are every couple crazy? days, you're out of this town. Been, but... This has been Disney World for my wife. It's like the happiest. See, this is the thing. I it's like I got to be honest. Like the travel stuff because. Every time I go away, I've got my, you know, you ever see those, those cartoons where the character's hanging on to the leg mm-hmm. and the person's limping as I'm limping through the airport with my <laughs> wife, my, with my wife, uh, you know, she's like MMA, she's, uh, she's got my leg in dark, right? She, she's, she's wrapped on, she's crying. We made it an hour and 13 like, minutes into the show before you made an MMA reference. I'm very impressed. I, I know, it, but, but no, it, it's been, the, the person, the happiest person for this pandemic has been my wife. She gets to see me. 24 uh, seven. We do our, we do our work in the same room. She works from home now, right? Because of the thing. And I work from home. Um, you know, I, if, if, if my wife were in the matrix, this would be the perfect matrix for her. So, you know, 
Yeah, I'm kidding a little bit, obviously. Um, no, I, <laughs> I'm now going to have to book your wife because I want to know. I want to know her side of the story here. <laughs> How about this? This is dead true. I'm not messing around. Um, uh, this for her, uh, for my wife, and for myself. This has been awesome. Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, she likes. She likes. We like spending time together. Um, we, 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 you know, again, uh, it's been really good. It's been really good to see my family. You know, uh, my mom, my dad, and my sister live uh, on the property with us. My brother lives 400 meters across the, the field. Um, I, I absolutely, like, it, it, other than there being a pandemic, um, I just felt like this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I really, it, you know, it, it's been, it's been really good. Don't get me wrong. No matter how much time you spend, uh, no matter how much, how great it is, um, Every once in a while, there's a good blow up. You know, again, you know, same thing. Like, you, you know, you, you get cabin fever. I'll walk, I'll walk in and just attack my poor dad, or, 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 or you know, or, or Kristen for no reason, and vice versa. But no, it's been, it's been really. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I actually don't like traveling. Believe it or not, really? I, I, I don't like traveling. I don't like if I on a vacation. I don't like going away. If you put an ankle bracelet on me and said you can't leave 50 miles radius of your house for the rest of your life, I'd be okay with it. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Great, great job, right? You know. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I, as I said, I enjoyed. I enjoyed every minute of being home uh, uh, from from this thing. I really did. I can appreciate that. Uh, let's end on this one then. A uh, little, little, little hint of what's to come for the listeners. Christian Rutu is booked on a future episode after the draft, so he's going to come on and he's going to cry about the fact that the Kings did not select Stutzel. That, that's my comment, not yours. Uh, give, give us some good Rutu stories, though. Roots, Roots is known to have some fantastic stories, um, including the time that he went on a bike ride during training camp a couple years ago, went down a hill in El Segundo without brakes. I'm going to ask oh, him about no that. Oh, no brakes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to ask him about that one on the air. But just give us some good Rutu stuff, maybe something that we don't know about Roots, that, uh, you know, give us some good material for next week. Um, well, probably the two things people don't know. One, one is he's the avid stamp collector. Get um, out. <laughs> not a no. stamp collector. Come on. Oh, you can run with that. No, um, <laughs> I, I can tell you this. Um, one of the, I don't know if people know, like here's, here's something people don't know about Roots. Um, Roots could have played a thousand games in the NHL. I mean, he played 790th was. He went back to Europe because he wanted to go back to Europe and, and, and play and win championships for teams in Europe when he still had an NHL career. Um, so, you got a guy who I consider a thousand, you know, a thousand game NHL player, um, working, you know, working with him. When Mike or I go to Europe, um, Roots, Roots, there's little things that Roots make sure. Like, like it's important for me to have like a, a high level gym. It's important for Mike to have, you know, uh, a really good bar. Uh, no, but I'm kidding. But, but there was, I'm just kidding. No, um, I'm just, I'm just firing a shot because Mike likes firing. So there's things that are important to Mike in a hotel, and there's things that are important to Mike and myself in terms of a hotel and and and, and gyms, and and there's little things. But Roots takes the time to find hotels and uh, and you know this is a guy who played a thousand games in the NHL, and he like again that's that's why he's a, that's why he's a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Roots take little things. Roots learns things about people. Like Roots is an unbelievable person, and and 
And when you hang around with roots, you, you know, it, it's almost hard to get to be in a bad mood. And again, roots is going to tell you I'm a grumpy, I'm a grumpy prick. Um, um, you know, roots and I spent 30, no, there are times roots and I spent 30 days together in, roots, in, in Europe together. And, and again, I, I like, there's a pride, there's a pride with roots, um, to do things and, and to learn about, like, again, Roots doesn't have to find out what, what, what kind of gym there is in, in, in Slovakia, in, 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 you know, in, in a little town, like, but he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he, again, there's, there's, there's a pride that Roots has as a human being. And, and again, you can have pride that makes you like an arrogant douche, or you can have pride that makes you, uh, do things the right way. Um, I mean, again, there's not, it's like Roots is famous where we, like, we go, we go to a, uh, a Division Two game in, in Slovakia and they know Roots is coming and they got a placard for its parking. What kind of, you know, dude, if, if, if I had guys doing that like me, oh, I would be the biggest jerk in the world. I'd have an entourage. <laughs> you know, I would. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't talk to any person. You know, um, you, you know, no, but again, like, like, wait till you see how real Roots is. Roots is so fun. Um, He's so real. Uh, that's something people like. Again, I, I think I think people get the idea of an arrogant athlete sometimes. Like, I don't think people realize how uh, how popular and famous Ruth is throughout the world, and he's just awesome to hang around with. So, I, I again, and it, it, it helps that he's fucking good at his job. Um, but you know, but you said something that people don't know. I think people realize it's hard to look at how we drafted and not think that Ruth is good at his job. So. That, that's the easy thing to learn. The hard thing is, you know, some of those things that make him, it's just, again, they, it's not going to happen anymore, but, but when Fuchs and, and Christian and I were traveling in Europe as, 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 as like three amigos, it was just a really cool vibe. Um, you know, so um, stuff like that, like that stuff you don't know about. Yank, Yank, Cannot say thank you enough. Please go call your mom and let her know you're the smartest man in hockey. I mean that sincerely. I've said it for years, and uh, it's just it's been fantastic having you on the program. Can't wait to talk to you again. I've often said I come away from every conversation with you uh, feeling like I'm smarter, and I certainly will today. So, uh, on behalf of Dennis, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, best of luck over the next couple of days, and enjoy the draft. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Anytime you guys want. No thanks. I, I you know I had fun the whole interview, not just the end. <laughs> Great. There you go. Mark Yanetti, everybody. We'll be back uh, in just a moment for the third period, and Dennis and I will recap what we just talked about. Oh, hey, why am I the second period, not the first period? What's <laughs> Yank, that's how we do the show. See, if you listened, you would know. It's the, the first period, no, man, we come on do... and we talk, and then the second period is the oh. guest. Yeah, I know, but, but again, uh, you know, okay, okay. So I guess that's okay. You had an opening act to warm up. Okay, I'm good. I'm back to <laughs> <laughs> Mark Yanetti, everybody. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB 
and the mayor. Well, that was one heck of a second period. Uh, DB, on the Winnipeg Jets scale of three to nine, where do you Man, rank that? Nine. I needed a, I needed a, I needed a meal after that. <laughs> I need to take a break and have a full meal. Uh, DB, I could have easily gone another two hours. Didn't even get to a whole oh, yeah. second half of no, questions. I saw your script, John. Yeah, you could have. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: the if you're if you're going to get time with the smartest guy in hockey, you better come fully loaded with as many questions as possible because yes. that that's your chance. It's your chance to get educated. It's your chance to to glean insight into what goes on with inside the organization. Better yet, what goes on inside that guy's head? How he processes things, yeah. right? I thought it was. No, uh, John, I thought it was fantastic. Not only that, he, he got really personal. Mm-hmm. And transparent about him, his personality and himself, and, and I think it's a like his personality is probably a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, it's why he's successful and why he's great as he as, at what he does, but also there's some uh, challenges not to be able to turn it off at all. So um, it's very, very, you know, for the listeners out there, you can read all the interviews with Mark and Eddie you want, like you're never going to get what you just got from us mm-hmm. ever. I mean, and so that's the importance of podcast. No, I I completely agree, and and you know he sort of touched on it uh, w- without touching on. It. I mean, he he made sort of a, a similar references to the fact that you know, look, you you can interview these players over Zoom right. and you can try to yes. get to know them, but it's totally different than when you're in the room. It's kind of the same thing, you know, here. You can read all you want in that flat, two-dimensional sort of, you know, format, right. but when you can hear his voice and you can hear, you know, the way that he reacts to things, uh, it adds a whole new dimension, just like if we were to do totally. a video series with him and, and watch his right. body language, for that matter. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, for those of you that have never met Mark Unetti or really never have seen him up close and personal, uh the the dude is a rock. Uh, he works out. You heard him talk about it. He works out all the time. This is not somebody that I want to be interrogated by, even verbally interrogated. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now. So yeah, yeah. No, and I mentioned that, that he needs when he goes on the road in Europe. He needs a gym <laughs> yes, to work out. Right. <laughs> I can't. Not anything else. Uh, DB within moments of this. Well, within within about an hour and a half of this podcast dropping, I'm expecting. A whole myriad of texts from various oh, people John. for some of the receipts oh, that were just delivered. <laughs> and now I can't even wait. to. T- I already couldn't wait. Now I really can't wait to talk to Christian Rutu, although I'm not oh, sure yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to cancel his appearance after the Kings pass on Tim Stutzel. <laughs> we will have to see. Roots is, Roots is fantastic. Um, I had the privilege of spending yeah. some time with him at the uh, World Junior Championships a couple years ago in Vancouver. And just uh, the guy is a one-liner, just a machine. He's, he's just one one. A uh, one-liner after another one-liner after another one-liner, and um, it's going to be. I, I'm. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be a disaster of a show. But uh, no, uh, no, look, we no. just we had a very long second period. We're going to keep the third period yeah. short. Thanks to all the listeners yeah. for for uh, yeah. joining us. Hopefully, you know the listeners enjoyed what they just uh, were able to gather from from Mark Yanetti. And you know, we are going to really honestly have to do a follow up with him because I think there's a whole second side. Once, once we know who the players are, right? Because there are certain yeah, things that right. he couldn't say, and I think that once you get to the other side of the draft, you you know we can bring him back on and talk about well, why this particular player, and and how did you scout mm-hmm. that particular player differently, and what was the impact of COVID in twenty twenty on on the sure. process of evaluating particular players? Like he said, I think it's fascinating that he's put just he and his staff they've put just as much work into the fourth and fifth rounders this year as they normally would, only because yeah. they were afforded more time. So I think it's pretty fascinating. 
how it all shakes out. Any, uh, it's almost an unfair question, DB, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, two or three sort of key highlights, anything that stood out to you during that conversation? I, I, or are you still on overload on that, and you're decompressing? No, on that thought about COVID-19, I, I was amazed that he said it, it was a huge opportunity for them. You would think, oh, it was a real hindrance. We can't meet the players in, in person. We couldn't see players play in the in the postseason in the junior leagues. And he said it was a gigantic opportunity for this team. So, so what I can what I can call from that is that some teams are really going to take advantage of 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 what happens here and the more opportunity to, to talk and huddle. And others will be left behind. So that was number one. Number two, I just think the just the personal side of Mark because you know, John, he's not. He's not the figure out there. He's not the public figure that that Luke or Blake or even Food is. He's really a behind the scenes guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. You don't see him on TV a lot when they talk to mm-hmm. you know when the Kings do their their shows. They don't talk to Mark and Nady that much. Mm-hmm. He's not that visible a guy. So they get ninety minutes with a guy and on um, just personal professional. I I didn't expect that. I know he loves to talk. Right and and you know we we understand that part of his personality, but to be that forthcoming, answer some of the questions about the KHL and and the drafting of the Russians. Well, he's more forthcoming than anybody in the organization was. So I just the depth of his questions and the the personal side of it. Mark made this interview really personal, so I think that's my biggest takeaway is that he made this very personal, and I thank him for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you're absolutely right, DB. He's not somebody who the media generally has a lot of access to. You won't. I think probably in the last maybe six months to a year, we, we've seen or heard more from Mark Unetti, probably just because the Kings are tired of going back to the same people in the organization and you don't, there's just not right. a lot of content to point to. So he's he's been a little bit more accessible than in years past. But this is somebody who's been with the organization since 2006 and outside of really a diehard core group of fans, most people really have no idea who Mark Unetti is. At least that's the impression that I have. Um, so uh, I agree. I, I'm, I'm very happy that, we, that you know, he was able to come on and um, that we were able to give him a platform so that you know people do get an opportunity to uh, to really know the man, uh, tremendous tremendous person. Uh, you know, we've had several other people that have come on the podcast before and have spoken to him. And um, and, and actually, I think I did an article, uh, or maybe we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, I don't remember, but about a year or two ago, uh, talking about the evolution of the relationship between Rob Blake and Marquinetti, because that has been mm-hmm. that's been its own story, really. Uh, when you think about the fact that you know uh, Yank was so tight and, and and interwoven into the Dean Lombardi era, and that. Sure, Rob has sure. come in and really put his stamp on things across the uh, across the organization, and yet Mark Unetti is still there, and they've actually formed such a strong partnership on their own. And uh, I think that Rob actually has been pretty forthcoming about you know how he how much he's come to trust and respect and, and really lean on Unetti, and um, it's been it's been refreshing to see. And uh, you know, I do just on the way out the door, I do want to give another uh, a recognition to all of the scouts. It's so difficult to, to recognize sure. all the people in the LA Kings organization. It's just like when you talk about, you know, people behind the scenes in real life, you know, uh, on the front lines and the firefighters and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. Uh, when tragedy hits, it's the same thing sort of within the organization, you know, Blake and Luke and those guys are out front, but there, there are guys uh, like, like Yannetti talked about guys like Teddy and guys like uh, Tony, Tony Gasparini. I mean, you just go on down the list. Uh, we even had a, a Denny Fruget reference and I was going to get to that, but yeah. we were just, we were, we were running out of time, and I wanted to talk about Jordan Spence, one of the rare players the Kings took out of the Quebec League. Uh, they're known for the OHL, and occasionally they'll pluck some sure. guys out of the dub. But, you know, here's a, here's a kid who's uh, 
We're going to be talking a lot about Jordan Spence, DB. You know that I've been uh, beating the drum and ringing the bell for Mikey Anderson now for several years, and I'm telling you right now, remember the name Jordan Spence. He's coming out of the Quebec League. Uh, He just earlier today was announced that he's going to have a letter um, this year, and he's somebody to really keep an eye on uh, what what could could turn out to be another wonderful mid-round pick for the LA Kings. We can talk about that more in a a later episode. DB, it's been uh, an extended Kings of the Podcast We we will, in the words of Kenny Omega, we will bid adieu and we will uh, do this again soon. <laughs> Kenny Omega. It was a, a great long episode and hope the fans enjoy. Thanks, Stevie. We'll talk to you soon. At Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.